Hello, everyone. I'm Sarah Gemitter. And I'm Jason Birkin. And this is Fourth Wave Feminism, the podcast, where every episode, Jason and I try to bring our different perspectives about the future of feminism into agreement. Because the third wave failed to. All right, so what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about descriptive representation, which is the idea that, like, a government body or a workplace or a church choir should visually represent all the people in like America or the community or the world. So saying like, you know, if 25% of the U.S. citizens are black, then 25% of the U.S. Congress should be black. Okay. Or if 50% of the U.S. citizens are female, then 50% of the U.S. Congress should be female. Okay. So that's descriptive representation. Right. And I wanted to bring it up because it's something that you know, people are always dissatisfied about, or I kind of detect that there's like this accusatory tone that people are like, oh, it's like so sexist that there's like so many men in Congress and stuff. You know me. I'm not sexist. But I'm saying, prepared. come on, people aren't that sexist. Like, that's not the problem. Like, to me, I think that the, the, the fact that 50% of the U.S. Congress is not female is not a byproduct of sexist voters. Okay. I think it's much more about the fact that the system we operate in is sexist than about the voters themselves being sexist. I would put it down to the fact that the the candidate pool is skewed so that you don't have so the voters are when they don't have as many choices. Right. It's not the voters fault if they look at the Republican primary candidates in the debate and see 10 men and one woman back in the day when that was what was happening. That's not the sexism of the voters. But I think there's either a perceived sexism that leads to the candidate pool being that, or it's it's the cultural sexism. There's this general idea that women aren't good at that. So like the voter goes to the ballot box and says women aren't good at that sort of subconsciously in their head, or that young women are sort of like oblivious to the thought of like picturing themselves as running for office one day. Right. I definitely think that fewer women think of running for office because there are so few women in office. Okay. And I do think that if there is an election, the only choice you have is between two men. Right. Then like where did sexism come into play? That is exactly, that is, that's where I'm coming from. So again, like thinking about the voter in the ballot box, I, I do think that there are times when a voter has a choice between a male candidate and a female candidate and I believe that there are voters who would maybe not consciously say I'm not going to vote for the woman because I don't think women would be good at that but would have other kind of internalized reasons for preferring the man that come out of the cultural sexism in our society. Okay. So would you agree with me then that if a candidate pool were equal, we would have reduced sexism? Yes. Okay. So the numbers would look better. Yes. I if think the candidate that, pool that is true. Were equal. Yes. I agree though that there's still, you know, like they did a study where they sent around resume, like identical resumes with a female name versus a male name and the male name got more, uh, callbacks or whatever and or with an ethnic name and a caucasian name and the caucasian name got more callbacks so like obviously there's sexism that happens at that hiring level or at that voting level but like i think 
70 to 90% of it comes from candidate pool. <laughs> okay, so that's us. That's where the thing stands now. Candidate pool is mostly impacting the outcomes, but that there's still sexist voting. All, and this is all describing representation at a workplace, in the government, etc. Right. Well, and I would say it's not just the candidate pools, but the system itself. That, that part of what determines what the candidate pool is... Is the cultural norm. Is the cultural norms and the way that the system is structured as far as like where money comes from and how we vote for people and who decides and who makes nominations. So there's like all of these... This systemic, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there are all of these other like mechanisms that go into play into ter- determining who the candidate pool is. So I, I just feel like you have to go back a little bit further. So you can't just say it's the candidate pool that's the problem. You have to look at what produces that candidate pool. All, all I'm saying is that when we're talking about the way things are now, we might just want to be clear and say the way things are now is we do not have descriptive representation. If you look at how many women serve in Congress right. versus the percentage of women in the United States, it's <laughs> very small number of women in Congress versus approximately 50% of women in the United States. Yes. So that the, that's the situation. And it's not just government, it's corporations, it's, uh, it's businesses, it's so in a lot of different fields you could look at how what the percentages of women represented in positions of power let's say okay women in positions of power women are not in positions of power to a a degree of 50 percent like you wouldn't say 50 percent of the positions of power in the u.s whether it be in business or government or what have you 50 percent of those positions are not held by women it's a much much smaller percentage of women in positions of power yes that is the way the world is now we agree yes okay so, Sarah, how would we like the world to be? Don't answer that yet. <laughs> because you've already answered that to some extent. Uh, Sarah and I did a live recording of this segment, or the beginning of this segment, of trying to hash out how would we like the world to be in terms of representation, descriptive or otherwise. And uh, we did this for one of New Suit's fundraiser events. So in front of like 35 to 40 wonderful... Yeah, I think 35 people. People who support local theater. We did a live recording of the podcast in which we begin this discussion of how we would like the world to be. Please listen to this clip and then we'll continue the discussion once the clip is ended. And so here's our subject. Ready? Yes, I'm the, ready. The, the technical term is descriptive representation. And so the idea is that the United States Senate, because the United States population is 50, ma- 50 male to 50 female, therefore, Sarah would argue, if I may put words in your mouth. No, you uh, may not put words in my mouth. Just say what you think. <laughs> you should say what you think first, because then it will make more sense when I correct you. No, you, you need to. <laughs> The concept is that 50% of the Senate, which is an elected body, therefore should be female. Or that in our ideal world, we would want it to be female. Half 50 female, 50% male population, 50% male representative. 
that this whole the whole term is getting in the way. Okay. I so think we'll forget it. What's easier is okay. to say in our ideal fourth wave feminist world, we're walking up to the Senate. We're yes. picking the Senate just because it's easier because there's a hundred. We open the doors of the Senate. What does it look like? Jason, what does it look like? I say there's no predicting what it looks like because we're all different people. We all meet different demographics. And so the person that will best represent us, there's no telling. Like uh, a blind minority homosexual woman could best uh, represent me. Like you have to choose people based on how well you think they'll represent you, not how much you have in common. I totally agree with that. Oh, that was so easy. But. In rehearsal, we completely disagree. No, 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 no. <laughs> now ask me what I would want it to look like. Okay, what would you want it to look like? When I open the doors, I would want it to look like the United States of America. I would want, <laughs> but we got, in rehearsal, we also got caught up on this idea of what things look like. So let me say it this way. Okay. This is where we disagree. Okay. I would want to open the doors of the Senate and realize that there are people there who have, there are about as many people there who have the experience of being a woman as there are in the United States of America. There are at least as many people there who have the experience of being black or Latino as there are in the United States of America. And this really important one, I would want there to be at least as many people there who have the experience of being poor or middle class as there are in the United States of America. So, you know what, I'm saying? <laughs> what we have right now, if you open the doors of the Senate, you would see a lot of wealthy white men. Heteros. Straight, a bunch white of men. Straight. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good point. Good point. Uh, and, and let me just add, I don't think that being a wealthy straight white man precludes someone from being a feminist or from representing my needs. Okay. Historically, they have not been very good at it. <laughs> But it is possible. After all, the amendment given women the right to vote was largely voted on by men. There was only one woman in the Congress at that time. The civil rights legislation was largely enacted by people who were not minority. So I think it's possible, right. but I think it would be better if when I open that door in the future, I see that there are people who have my same experiences. I would trust that more. Okay. So I think it's, it goes back to the whole Sarah Palin example of saying, who better represents you, Sarah Palin or Dick Durbin? And, but she has the experience of being a woman. Like, oh, it's something you can never tap into. You know, like, you have to elect someone who you think can visualize all of their constituents yes. and best represent them. Absolutely. But that will not come with a skin color or an able-bodiedness or a gender. I totally agree. So but you would agree there's no predicting what we're going to see when we open the doors. And that no one appearance or capability or skill set outperforms another so long as everybody has been selected because the, their constituents believe they best represent. No. No applause? <laughs> yes! 
Is that pity applause? or Yes, that's agreement applause. All right, so here's the deal. It's not about the people who are there. Opening the door, my, me opening the doors and seeing the people who have the experiences, that's not about the people. It's about my trust of the system. The system of government that we have right now was designed by wealthy, white, heterosexual men. Systems are designed to benefit the people and groups who design them. So if I, yes. So, and like I said, it's still possible for good things to happen for women under that system, but it took over 100 years. It's still possible for minorities to get you know, equal rights, but it took almost 100 years and a catastrophic war for that to happen. So if I walk in, I open up the Senate door, and I see the people with the experience, that tells me not necessarily anything about how those people are going to behave. I'm not making any assumptions. What it does tell me is that the system that got them there is more fair than the one that we have. So it's the mm. system that I, I, I want to, it to look that way because I want to know that the system is not stacked against me. Okay. And I know that that means that we have to radically re-envision the system that we have. The only way to get there is to have a system that is designed by everyone. Including poor people. Including poor people. Can you trust their judgment, though? Because, like, they're less educated. <laughs> no, not you guys. Jason, would you like an opportunity to reframe <laughs> what you think to I see if say. you can win the crowd back? I will say this. I recognize what you're saying, and I can see your point that perhaps Sarah Palin does bring some experiences to the table that Dick Durbin couldn't bring. <laughs> I get, and I get what you're saying. So that like, I, I see there's like a flaw in the system, but you would have. To, I mean, I, okay. So let's say we get everyone together that represents everybody, mm -hmm. and we have them create a new system yes. that replaces democracy. Because that's what you're. Yeah. No. That. <laughs> how is it, how does your system improve on democracy? Jason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I'm not, we're not talking about the how we get there. It's not just the Sarah Palin factor. It's not enough to just be a woman. You have to also represent the group. If Sarah Palin could get elected to the Senate, <laughs> then theoretically, she's representing something. Okay, so having listened to it again, uh, I am... My question for you is, so you're prepared to believe that we could open the doors of the Senate and, and gender heaven, and it is, it's possible in your mind that every single representative chosen by the voters could be rich, heterosexual, white dude. I mean, yeah, that's what happens now, so of course it's possible. <laughs> you're but saying it's... Is, 
a tainted experience. Yes. Like now things are not good. But I'm saying in once everything's perfect, mm-hmm. it's still theoretically possible. Right. What I'm saying is I think it is theoretically possible to get substantive representation without descriptive representation. And what I mean by substantive representation is representation in which my interests are served. So I think it is possible to get substantive representation, representation where my interests are served, without having descriptive representation, which is representation where 50% of the governing body is women because 50% of the population is women. However, I think you are more likely to get substantive representation if you also have descriptive representation. Not that descriptive representation is the goal, but that if the population is descriptively represented, you're more likely to get a population that is substantively represented. So it's an indicator of success. Yes, I would consider it an indicator of success. Having a descriptively representative body of people. Like in the case of representatives, if uh, like Congress was descriptively representative, we'd go, ooh, probably also substantively representative. I would say it was more likely. But yes, that is an indicator of success, but not the only indicator of success. So in Chicago, for example, here in our neighborhood, we are represented uh, in Congress by Jan Schakowsky. Right. She substantively represents me. She also descriptively represents me. And she substantively represents me, but she does not descriptively represent me. Exactly. Or she does as a white person, but not as a man. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's great. So can it, is it safe to say then that we agree that the fourth wave world would like there to be substantive representation, and we yes. don't care if there's descriptive representation or not? I mean, if you're saying, if I could have two choices, I can have substantive representation or descriptive representation. I would say I want substantive representation. Okay. But. (laughs) (laughs) But. mm -hmm. So let's say we have a magic wand and we wave it. And now, boom, everyone, everyone has substantive representation. So we don't need descriptive representation to help us get there. And let's say we wave our magic wand again, and we know for a fact everyone has substantive representation. <laughs> now we don't need descriptive representation to like reassure us, right? Right. So now we don't care about it. if we have magic wands. If we have magic wands, <laughs> then we don't care about it. So we but like in, it. in the world <laughs> that is real, where we do not have magic wands, Descriptive representation has a role to play All right. in substantive representation. Okay. All right. Well, I think this helps us like feel like we're on the same page. At least yeah. now when I hear people go, ah, I'm mad that like 50% of the Congress isn't women, I can be like, she just needs a little reassurance. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's, yes. And she probably also needs a little substantive representation. <laughs> well, we don't know. Maybe. I think you would not hear anyone complaining about the lack of women in government if everyone felt substantively represented. You would not hear me complaining about there being so few women in government if 
there were not so many laws being passed that infringe upon my womanhood. So how do we get there? Good question. How do we get there? We want everyone to be substantively represented. Okay, do you have an idea? I do. And this speaks to how open-minded I am because that's going to make me happier. Sarah assures me <laughs> that the future is so bright that living in equality is going to be so much better than what we've got now. I really believe that. So I can't Not just wait. for me. But for you. The idea of saying, let's institute quotas to get to accelerate the pace at which I can get to living in the joys of an equal society faster mm-hmm. is sort of like it sticks in my throat a little. Yes. And that would be fair, descriptively representative wise. Correct. But it would be nonsense substantively representation wise, <laughs> right? Well, I wouldn't say any more than you want me to automatically say that a Senate full of old white men is not substantively representing me. I think you can't categorically say that mandating that 50% of the Senate be women would be foolish. Yeah. But I, I do understand what you're saying. The problem with quotas is how how do you construct them in such a way that you're not preventing substantive representation in the name of descriptive, descriptive representation right which we agree would be sad yes sad. i do agree that would be sad yes but we also agree it could be the best way to accelerate oh yes equal land absolutely so that we can get to gender heaven this the whole system and just speaking of for now of the government the whole system of government was designed by relatively wealthy, white, straight, identifying men. <laughs> and so, of course, the system that they designed these 200 years later is still predominantly benefiting relatively wealthy, straight, identifying white men. And so in order for us to have a system that does not have that inherent bias, we need to design a new system. So quotas to me are like a, an attachment that you're trying to put on a machine to make it work better when what you really need to do is build a better machine. Now, again, my knee-jerk reaction here is to say the, the, the system by which we select representatives is equally available to everybody. Like, anyone can be elected president. Anyone can be elected in theory yes 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 but in practice we have seen in practice that that is not true and so because a thing is theoretically possible doesn't mean that we don't need to work to make it more actually possible so can you describe to me how are you going to improve on a system that says anyone can be president just got to get the votes like what could be more fair you know what i mean like Anything that I said about what the system would be like would be the system that Sarah would design that would benefit Sarah and other people like Sarah. <laughs> okay. And so, but what I'm, I'm saying is we need to get a, a broad enough spectrum together working on this. And, and then who knows? Who knows what wonderful things we'll come up with? But I mean, I have ideas of what I would like to have happen. Okay. 
Can I hear any of this? Yeah, do you want to hear? Fire away. Okay. For example, I would not have incumbency. Wow. People would serve their period of time. And I know the particulars of how long and whatever, I don't know. But incumbency, I think, is a problem. I would love to see a system designed so that so that being a politician is not a career. It's something that you that everyone does for a period of time. Sort of like jury duty, but better. <laughs> Interesting. Right. Status You're basically quo. saying the system as it stands was designed by people at the top of Privilege Mountain. Yes. And you would propose that we'd all get together and redesign the system with everyone from Privilege Mountain. So you're saying if we do it this way, the new system won't need quotas. You would not push for quotas. Like right now, if we weren't going to do this, you'd be like, yeah, let's do quotas. Best thing we got. I, I would say let's strategize about a way to do quotas that minimizes their drawbacks. Yes. Okay. And so if we did do things this way, no quote is necessary. And a lot of the kicking and screaming about inequality would have subsided because people would be like, hey, you know, we had a chance. Look, we, we all were yeah, part of we making this in. system. This is the system that we all made. Yeah. Like we, we had a chance to weigh in. Yeah, we there did. is a place at the table for the rich, white, straight identifying man. Right. Just a place, not all of the places. Well, I can say, as a representative of Privilege Mountain, we're on board with this. Great, that's We're exciting. not scared. All right. Let's try this, and if it doesn't work, we'll improve on quotas. <laughs> okay, that sounds Whatever awesome. Whatever gets me to gender heaven the fastest. Okay, because we need to work within the system that we have to get the system that we want. Okay. So the system that we have has a provision for amending the Constitution. Right. So what we need to do is pass an amendment. Good job, white authors. I know. Okay. They, they got some things right. We need to pass an amendment that calls for a constitutional convention. And then at this constitutional convention, we will review the constitution and come up with other suggestions other amendments we could rewrite the whole thing um we'll probably start with what we have and then and then go from there it's a good starting place and i would love for our amendment i mean if it was me i would love for our amendment to provide for a regular system of conventions every 25 years we were going to check back in. And maybe everyone would look at things and say, yes, rubber stamp, I agree, let's keep everything as it is. But so that at least every 25 years, we would have an opportunity to go back and say, really, is this really what represents what we want now, the future that we want for ourselves now, knowing what we know? It's like a democracy checkup. Yes. And like if all the stakeholders change, then yes, the then Constitution that could needs to change. Because yes. that's kind of what's happened, basically. We're oh, saying, yes. like, look, there's a lot of new stakeholders at the table. Exactly. Okay. All right. I'm not against this. I will also add, I tend to think of things as much as possible at the state level mm -hmm. more than necessarily the federal level. Okay. So, like, we could do this in Illinois, right? Yes, we absolutely. We could work to have an amendment that says, let's rewrite the Constitution of Illinois mm -hmm. and have all the new stakeholders, the latest stakeholders at the table. And maybe they'll say, so many of these seats have to go to women, or so many of these seats have to go to minorities. Right. Oh, challenge number one. Yes. Who gets to go to this convention? That's a good question. 
I don't know the answer to the question of how we decide who goes. That's something else we would have to decide. And who would be deciding how we decide? I don't know. Yeah, and would there be quotas? <laughs> to say 50% of women get to decide how many women go to this convention. I, I don't know the answer right in this moment. But so we'll work on the language. But yes. Here are, are just a couple of ideas that I have of things that people can do. You can familiarize yourself with your own state's rules and procedures as far as, you know, knowing who your representatives are, how you can get access to them, because we are going to need to get, either through state legislatures or through the federal government, we are going to need to convince the people who are currently in power. Right. So anything that you can do to familiarize yourself with the system as it is now and the people who work in the system to know how you personally can best access it. And everyone has different best points of access. People, you know, it could be people that you know, it could be groups that you belong to. So that's my, my first action item. Um, another thought that I had was that when we start to think about who is going to be doing this writing of the new amendment and the new constitution. I think it's important for us all to recognize all of the different categories that we ourselves belong to, to kind of get out of this habit of thinking so simplistically, you know, in, in the sense of like, I would only need um, to be represented by a woman to be descriptively represented. Like I belong to a lot of different other groups. Uh, you know, I belong to a certain income level, to a certain ethnic background, to a certain geographic region. I am an artist. Like the only thing, person who is going to absolutely completely descriptively represent me is me. So I need to recognize what those different pools are so that I can have a better grasp of, of what is important to me. Like for, for me, I'm a white person. But it's not politically meaningful to me that I be represented by a white person. Ah, I get what you're saying. Whereas someone who is black, it might very well be politically meaningful to them that they're represented by a black so person. So you're saying identify the things that are going to best substantively represent you. But you would say the to someone who... categories that you belong to that are politically meaningful to you. But let's say I meet a woman and okay. she's like... It's important politically to me to be represented by a woman. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> no. No, it isn't. That's what I would say. I'd be like, no, it's not. It's not. I would say that could be one of the things that's meaningful. But, I mean, I would want I'd wonder... be like, Sarah, let's save this person from that kind <laughs> of thinking. Let's talk them out of viewing themselves in the world that way i wouldn't want i would not want anyone to identify themselves as being best represented by only one category like i would not ever want to say i am only only think of me as a woman don't think of me as any other thing don't think of me as a writer don't think of me as a chicagoan don't think of me as a white person don't think of me as a unemployed person only think of me as a woman when it comes to politics. So if, if someone were to say that to me, I only think of myself as a woman. That's the only thing that matters to me. But if they had it on a list of 10 things, mm -hmm. I'd be like, let's erase all the stupid ones. Right there, being a woman. But it's not stupid. How is it not? Like, 
can I just point out like just one small example of yes. why it would be politically meaningful to think of yourself as, as a woman versus a man? Okay. Which is that the government funds a lot of medical research. And right now, a disproportionate amount of medical research is spent on ailments or diseases or whatever that are more of uh, an issue for men. They are disproportionately funded versus issue versus issues that are medically relevant to women. So in that case, it is meaningful to me that I am a woman if I want to make sure that that my government is funding research that's going to be of benefit to me as a woman. I would completely agree with that. And I would say, good for you. So you want to make sure your representative is also seeking that outcome. Yes, exactly. And I don't need my representative to be a woman in order to accomplish that, but it's still politically meaningful that I'm a woman. I get it. I get it now. Because you have lady interests. <laughs> yes. And about so, my lady parts. Yes. And so I get it now. You're like, it's relevant politically that I'm a woman because of choices my government is making about women. Yes. And so I don't care if my representative is a man or a woman or gender plus. But I want to make sure that they represent me. Yes. And I only have, uh, well, I also have two action items. One is, next time you're compelled, or if you're listening to someone who is suddenly compelled to complain about descriptive representation not being accurate, um, you know, think of the candidate pool problem, because it's really a candidate pool problem. I mean, there's the sexism that happens after that, but let's solve the candidate pool problem first. And... Second action item, when you're in that moment and you want to make it better, think of candidate pool solutions because it's a candidate pool issue. So like quotas are a candidate pool solution. We like them. Rewriting the constitution with all the stakeholders, you know, the Illinois constitution, the federal US constitution with all the new stakeholders. Those are candidate pool solutions. We love those. Those are great. Then we'll solve the sexism. Right? <laughs> well, yes. I mean, I think we'll be simultaneously solving the sexism while we're doing that. Me too. That's what I think. <laughs> Great. All right. Another job well done. <laughs> Another fantastic episode in which we've taken a step towards saving the world. Gender heaven. So please comment on our Facebook page at New Suit Theater dot facebook.com or whatever however you get there <laughs> and uh tell us that we're awesome or crazy or sarah's right or jason's right or, or make suggestions for future podcasts yeah oh that's the best yet <laughs> speaking of future podcasts the next episode is going to be about the biological differences between men and women a subject we're all very bored with because it has to do with <laughs> biology but what makes it interesting is that i like to think that there is no i strive to not be aware of the differences. I mean, like, you know what I mean. You're aware of them. Well, but I'm you aware of them. Drive to have them not matter to you? Right. Okay. I want to ignore them. Not unlike descriptive representation when it's like, are you a man or a woman candidate? It shouldn't matter. I don't want it to matter. So 
same with like biological differences or women women better at math or counting things or throwing things i don't care i want to not care but i have a feeling you want me to care well, that it's somehow relevant it, it is it is relevant so what we're going to talk about is what the biological differences are and how we want to think about them how a fourth wave feminist wants to incorporate the idea of bi biological differences within his or her mind philosophy of life and if it helps me treat you equally or not right great okay so that's the next episode thanks for listening everyone thank you Bye.